Cyrus Misumi grew up in one of the most affluent counties in America, in Marin, just north of San Francisco. There was a lot of wealth around him that his family didn't have. And early on, he knew exactly what he wanted in life. My only thing that I ever wanted to do was to become rich for a very long time. When he was in the middle of college in 2012, Cyrus landed his ticket to big money. He founded a news site called MrConservative.com. The plan was to use Facebook to get tons of traffic to his website and then to turn that traffic into ad dollars. That required resorting to some controversial tactics. There was a vast market of uh, Wall Street Journal, like Fox News, sort of boring headlines. And I was the first one that sort of pushed the envelope. Now, there are certain ideals that a lot of journalists, us included, will say we live by. Things like being unbiased and accurate. Cyrus essentially threw that all out of the window. He gave his conservative readers what he believed they actually wanted. We know that the title has to be tilted. We know that we have to exclude the facts. Because if we say anything good about the opponent, then people are like, oh, you're liberals. You're closet liberals. So there is no room to be objective. There is no room to deliver quality. The market has always responded, no, give me garbage. Give me outrage. Give me, you know, clickbait. MrConservative.com was an instant success. And over the years, it only got bigger. The site ended up amassing a billion page views in its lifetime. And all those eyeballs meant that Cyrus was finally rich, or at least richer than he ever was as a kid. But one day, Cyrus realized that his creation had gone too far, and he had a monster on his hands. His site had snowballed into a phenomenon that we've all been talking about for a year now. So I sort of view myself as the patient zero of fake news. I'm Aki Ito. And I'm Sarah Fryer. And this week on Decrypted, we're bringing you the story of Cyrus's quest for partisan influence online. It wasn't necessarily about pushing an agenda. It definitely wasn't about the Russians. It was mostly about making money. Cyrus learned what makes people click and share and taught a lot of other people to build websites like his to the point where things spiraled out of control ahead of Trump's election. After Facebook started cracking down on fake news, Cyrus shifted gears. Now he's focused on building a site that's less vitriolic. Although he's worried the social network's new rules might crush his next projects anyway. Stay with us. So Sarah, the first time you talked to Cyrus was right after the election. Yeah, I had been emailing websites that were spreading fake news, curious about how they ran their businesses and how they felt about their impact on Trump's victory. Nobody wanted to talk. A couple of them forwarded my email to Cyrus, and he reached out saying he could speak for several publishers at once. A lot has changed since then. New details on Russian interference in the 2016 election and how it ties to Facebook ads. 62% of people get their news from social media with Facebook being the top social media news source. On Capitol Hill, tech giants Google, Facebook, and Twitter set to testify on how their platforms were used by Russian groups during the 2016 election campaign. And all of this has had big consequences for Cyrus's business. Which is why we drove out to Napa to go meet the guy. 
we live? We're just we're yeah. just talking. We're warming up. Cyrus is 26 years old and lives at his family vineyard with his mother. Now that sounds luxurious, but he said it can actually be pretty boring. His relationship with the media started a decade earlier, in high school, in Marin County, just across the Golden Gate Bridge from San Francisco. I was a loner. Uh, I was bullied. Uh, I never had any friends. Uh, all I ever wanted to do was be rich because I grew up in Bay Area and everybody else was rich. And although my family was rich, my grandparents were rich, my mother was a single mother and I had to move around a lot, I think 10 times. And then like, you know, your friends all live in like a five to $10 million house and you can feel very poor. So it's very uh, easy to build up a lot of resentment and become a contrarian. And that's what happened. One day, when he was a senior in high school, all that resentment bubbled up into a screed he wrote, criticizing people in the county for what he saw as hypocrisy. He said they would say they're open-minded, but they didn't like his conservative ideas. He published a paper called The Deadwood Barf, a play on his high school newspaper that was called The Redwood Bark. It gave his own take on gay marriage, environmentalism, and his fellow residents. It was pretty offensive, and the school suspended Cyrus for five days. It became a spectacle covered in the local news. At age 17, Cyrus got to go on the radio and give quotes to local papers. I found that I am in love with the media. I love politics. I love debate. I love argument. And uh, I decided that uh, controversy was uh, my forte. Controversy was also how he was going to become rich. Cyrus went to college and Facebook started to catch on. He learned everything he could about how it made information spread. Back then, people weren't really sharing news on Facebook, but they were selling T-shirts. Cyrus started selling T-shirts with conservative slogans on them. That was his first attempt at building a wider community of people who cared about the issues that he did. Once Cyrus figured out how to build a community through Facebook ads, he started his own news business called MrConservative.com. His partner wanted to cater to educated people with real influence in Washington. But Cyrus, he wanted to target the people who were the most profitable, people who cared less about being informed and cared more about being validated, people looking for highly partisan content that even went a step further than Fox News is willing to go. To grow his audience, he got people to like Mr. Conservative's Facebook page. He purchased ads on the platform to attract conservative readers. Facebook's self-service online ad buying system allows businesses to target their advertising based on people's political beliefs. This is from data Facebook collects by watching user behavior. How do you buy fans? There's a user interface, facebook.com slash ads slash manager, and you create ads, and then you create an image and advert. Um, so like, let's say, for example, uh, an image of Obama, and it'll say, uh, like if you think Obama is the worst president ever, or uh, um, for Trump, like, like if you think Trump should be impeached. And uh, then you pay a price for those fans, uh, and then you retain them. You pay a heavy upfront cost per fan, 
but then every month, let's say you make a little bit of that back, and then the hope is, is that, okay, like after a year, year and a half, whatever, you pay it off. At first, he says he tried to make a real news site with a goal of informing people. He invested in video and long-form stories. But that wasn't what actually worked to get readers. So he gave them what they wanted. So Mr. Conservative was actually the first conservative, truly conservative thing on Facebook. And uh, I understood that the people that we were appealing to were sort of breathless Fox News viewers who longed for um, highly partisan content. And Cyrus finally got what he wanted as a result. By 2014, he was making tens of thousands of dollars a month. That meant that, for the first time, Cyrus had a lot of money, which is what Cyrus wanted all these years. But it led to all kinds of problems for him, both personal and professional. Within a very short period of time, I was making forty or $50,000 a month, and that led to a lot of personal problems. Uh, because when you have wanted money all your life, and then all of a sudden you're making forty or $50,000 a month, then it lends itself to um, going out and doing bad things. He was partying nonstop. He crashed two Mercedes. He got arrested repeatedly for being drunk in public. All that meant that Cyrus wasn't dealing with some of the problems that were emerging in his business. It got to a point where I thought that there was no editorial value to any of the content on Mr. Conservative. Publishing the occasional fake story, uh, publishing uh, misleading clickbait fairly often. Um, I think that towards the end of Mr. Conservative, it was extremely misleading and uh, there was a lot of clickbait. He says he never intentionally published fake news. He says he'd ask his editors to delete it when they found it, but everything was moving so fast and the metabolism for content was so great that there just wasn't much time to check everything. This is just sort of an accidental byproduct of the fact that you have too many people competing for too small of a news feed, trying to outdo one another, trying to find the most interesting stories. If you work seven days a week doing, let's say, 15, 20 stories a day, like let's say three months of that, when you come across a fake story, it doesn't look that fake to you. It's like your mind is just trained. It's like, oh, that, well, that must be true because, you know, I'm just, I've been just doing this all day. After a while, Cyrus finally got his act together. And that was when the realization set in. I think that I started feeling bad about it in uh, late 2015, early 2016. But you still kept the site up. I did. Why? Why? Uh, why does a lawyer do uh, work for a client that he disagrees with? What do you think he meant by that? Uh, that people do things for a living, even if they don't morally agree with it. You know, I disagreed with the editorial. I told my editor whenever we spoke how much I disagreed with it. I would tell her to run clean stuff. We ran clean stuff. We couldn't get traffic. The site ran on all cylinders through 2016, hitting its peak just before the U.S. presidential election. At that point, it was making $150,000 in revenue a month with $50,000 in profit. Cyrus started several other conservative sites, too, which he declined to name for us. He did say that other people in the industry who had learned from him 
were making millions. Okay, so here's some sample headlines from MrConservative.com in October 2016. Obama's darkest secret leaks. He never wanted us to find this. Entitled Muslim employee makes insane demand. Patriotic boss hits him back with this. Breaking. Hillary Clinton caught in major lie. This could destroy her. And then we all know what happened next. I've just received a call from Secretary Clinton. She congratulated us, it's about us, on our victory. And I congratulated her and her family on a very, very... Trump's victory would alter the course of global affairs, as well as the booming business that Cyrus had created. That's coming up next. So let's pick up our story in November 2016, right after Trump's election. His victory surprised pretty much everyone, although Cyrus says he saw it coming. And lots of people started blaming Facebook for allowing fake news to proliferate on its platform and influence voters. Misinformation from many sources certainly had an impact on this election. And you can look at that at all kinds of levels. Remember, neutrality was also Facebook's first defense for how it pummeled users with pro-Trump fake news during the general election. For lots of voters, this was when it really became clear what a wide reach these heavily partisan or fake news sites achieved on Facebook. Although Cyrus had known about the power of these kinds of stories for years, and he made a lot of money from exploiting that. Do I think that I turned any votes? No. I think that that's very fanciful thinking. It costs exponentially more money to reach independents, and I've always approached it as a business model. So, you know, for example, like let's say it costs 25 cents to target a conservative, 25 cents to target a liberal. Let's well, buy an independent might cost a dollar, and they're going to visit your website less. So the proposition of Facebook has never been to target independents. It's always been to um, sort of accentuate people's already partisan views. Whether you're a liberal or a conservative, if you're somebody who gets your news on Facebook, you're like a crazy person who only has friends just like you, or the few people who might disagree with you just disregard your views. It's not like anybody shared a story, you know, saying that uh, the Pope endorsed Trump, say a conservative, and then a liberal read it and went, oh, the Pope endorsed Trump. Well, I'm gonna go out and change my vote now. Show me one. Can the media produce one? He sounds pretty defensive there. Well, he's right that taken in isolation, one story is unlikely to have sway. But the thing about Facebook is that people spend an average of 50 minutes there every day. That's a lot of exposure. And repetition has a strong effect over time. Also, when content is shared by friends and family, it carries much greater weight than something you're saying, see, on a news website. Yeah, and I also thought people who may have thought they were on the political fringes can find like-minded community and feel stronger about their stance. So, for example, they might have turned out on election day for Trump when otherwise they might have worried he had no chance of winning. 
and Cyrus himself told us he definitely reached more people than the Russians. He told us a single conservative meme could reach 20 million people. He estimates that Mr. Conservative got about a billion page views in total over the years. Compare that with the Russian propaganda firm, the Internet Research Agency, which reached 150 million people on Facebook and Instagram combined. I spoke to Brooke Pankowski, an editor at the fact-checking site Snopes. Fans of the show will remember her from our episode on fake news last year. I told her how Cyrus feels. She said she's heard it all before. That's what they always say. That's what helps him sleep at night. Sure, you know, you enjoy that while you look at your bank account. But the truth is, in the aggregate, all of this stuff is dramatically affecting society for the much worse. And, you know, you can kid yourself and say, well, nobody ever read it. It didn't really affect anything. But if people shared it, they shared it to their friends and their family members who aren't perhaps well-informed or don't care to be well-informed or they're 15 years old and they're still developing their worldviews. You know, he can't say that. That's really disingenuous of him. It is so obviously them trying to distance themselves from the damage that they have done. I told Brooke about how Cyrus said he never intended to publish fake news. And Brooke did a search for times Snopes had written about what Mr. Conservative had published. She sent me an example from October 2015. Mr. Conservative, which Snopes described back then as an unreliable website, had posted the headline, Warning, Obama opens first concentration camp in U.S. plans to detain conservatives. A story in 2013 had the headline, 10 facts that suggest Obama's birth certificate is fake. This guy in particular, Mr. Conservative, was a birther, or is a birther, I don't know, who pushed a story about Obama opening FEMA camps for political dissidents. Um, I think that he probably was never that concerned about actual news to begin with. And I've heard that particular excuse that that's what the people want for a long time. He was pushing disinformation, whether he wants to admit it or not. And I don't care if that's what the people want. If you're going to call yourself a journalist and say that you're dealing with journalism, you should not be putting out misinformation or disinformation or straight up propaganda knowingly. public outcry after the election forced Facebook to roll out a bunch of changes to the way it prioritizes news stories on its platform. The company has been very intent on looking for signals for pages that might be low quality. It says that they're starting to derank them in, in the newsfeed algorithm and make sure that people don't have a bad experience when they click on these places. And according to Cyrus, those changes had a huge impact on his business, as well as his competitors. Facebook has specifically sought to destroy the conservative Facebook base. Do you think Facebook tried to do that to your sites too? Well, Mr. Conservative? Yeah. Well, of course, I mean, it was annihilated, but it was not annihilated as, uh, in a profound way as uh, some of the people who are misbehaving more than me. When Cyrus says that Mr. Conservative was annihilated, he means that traffic to the site dipped substantially. That happened in increments as Facebook rolled out more and more changes that were meant to curb fake news. You know, it was a decision between like, okay, am I going to run a garbage website uh, that is barely profitable after, you know, we've had 80, 80% of our revenues kicked out after the fake news crisis, should I say? Or uh, am I going to run a clean website and then am I going to have to pay whatever it is, you know, 
ten, twenty thousand dollars a month just to keep it up and running. This past August, Cyrus shut down MrConservative.com. If you try to go to the URL or any of the connected domains today, you get nothing. And in the months leading up to the election, he did something you might not expect. He created a new site in July last year called Truth Examiner. Purchased a whole new set of fans on Facebook who identify as Democrats, and hired a team of authentically liberal editors to run it. He says he did this partly because he was convinced Trump was going to win. I started Truth Examiner because uh, I have a sort of genetic need, it's just on a cellular level, to oppose those in power.、Uh, anyone who's powerful needs to be challenged. Uh, regardless of their political orientation, and you would think that a site like this, catering to anti-Trump outrage, would thrive under Trump's presidency. Cyrus worked hard to stay within the bounds of Facebook's new rules. So you know, so we look at all the guidelines that they've published. Like、uh, these are the advertisements that you should have. This is the type of content that you should produce. I literally have so I have Ivy League people and professors writing breaking news in the exact way that has been specified. And despite what he says were his best efforts, there was a huge drop off in how much they clicked on Truth Examiner's posts. That coincided with a big change Facebook rolled out to its newsfeed. It's not easy being clean. I spoke to Cyrus's editor in chief for his liberal website, Nicole Jaynes. She said she's been intently reading Facebook's blog posts about how to play it straight, give readers high-quality content, avoid clickbait headlines. <laughs> Although I do see this headline right now. Here are the Facebook ads Trump only wants his loyal supporters to see. They are disturbing. Disturbing in all caps. Okay, maybe she writes a few clickbait headlines, but traffic on Truth Examiner has remained dismal since Facebook's crackdown in March, and Cyrus doesn't get it because he says he's playing by the rules. And it makes Cyrus mad because he still sees plenty of other sites thriving, even though they're using the same shady tactics that Facebook's reportedly cracking down on: clickbait, sensationalism, fake news. Cyrus thinks that if Facebook is giving advice on how to be a good website, their platform might need to change to actually support the people who follow it. So, Sarah, was there anything that surprised you about Cyrus's story? Well, it just goes to show that businesses, however shady, live and die on Facebook's whim. This company has an enormous amount of power to sort of dictate what we consume in media, and they don't see themselves. As the arbiter of that power, in fact, they really shy away from it. But that doesn't mean they don't have it, and it's getting stronger. Yeah, it's scary that a single company has this much power, even though we can all agree that less fake news on Facebook is a good thing. Right, but I think that the way that they're wielding it is really confusing to people who just want to be successful on the platform. I'm not saying Cyrus's business is an upstanding one, but.、Uh, I think that the company has been trying to be a little bit more transparent with a lot of blog posts, a lot of outreach, 
collaboration with journalistic organizations, but they still can't agree on where the gray lines are and how hard they should be pushing to curb this kind of stuff and what veers too far into the direction of being an editorial person. Right. And if they're too transparent, then you end up encouraging people who are kind of like Cyrus, who try to game the system again, right? Well, and people will always try to game the system. And that's something that Facebook has been pretty open about, that they see fake news and information campaigns by foreign governments. They see it as is something like like spam or hacking or or phishing scams, like another set of of issues that a tech company has to deal with in this day and age. So aside from the dent that Facebook has made on Cyrus's business, do you think Facebook's made serious inroads in curbing actual fake news? Well, I've been looking into that. And when it comes to stopping fake news, they have this team of fact checkers. Brooke Minkowski is one of them. Uh, I interviewed a bunch of them a couple weeks back, and it turns out they have this dashboard where they go through and mark stories as true or false, but it barely scrapes the surface in terms of the amount of content that's actually on Facebook. And they're not really focusing on the biggest, most influential people. Like if Cyrus says if Facebook were to just come to him, you know, he could gather up all the other people in the industry and they could have a nice little meeting in Menlo Park. Instead, they're going at it from the perspective of taking down stories once they're up, which will maybe take a lot longer. For now, Cyrus says he's focused on building out Truth Examiner, which he wants to sell to a big publisher like the Huffington Post for eight figures down the road. Whatever he does, Cyrus says he won't risk going back to his old ways. Even if he's frustrated with Facebook, his business is completely dependent on it, and he worries that if he crosses the line, Facebook could ban his page altogether. And that's it for this week's episode of Decrypted. Thanks for listening. Listeners, is there a way you'd like to get your political news on Facebook? I'm always interested to know how you're interacting with the company. You can send us a message to decrypted at Bloomberg.net or find me on Twitter. I'm at Sarah Fryer. And I'm at Aki Ito7. If you enjoy listening to Decrypted, please recommend us to your friends. And if you haven't already, take a moment to rate and review our show. That helps us find new listeners. This episode was produced by Pia Gadkari, Liz Smith, and Magnus Henriksen. We'll see you next week.